your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope, brought to you by the Sensory Learning Center with host and mother of a recovering child with autism, Betsy Hicks. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Betsy and her guests illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Betsy Hicks. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm very excited about our guest today. We have Sally Fallon on today, and she is the president of the Weston A. Price Foundation. She's a journalist. She is a chef a nutrition researcher, a homemaker, and a community activist. And she is a author of a fabulous book called Nourishing Traditions, the cookbook that challenges politically correct nutritional and diet dictocrats. Mm-hmm. Um, in this book, the, the main message, Sally, if, if I'm correct in saying yeah. this, is that animal fats and cholesterol are not villains, but vital factors of the diet. Um, and and that's a piece of what I want to talk. I, I have so many questions, <laughs> okay. and, and I feel very selfish with this with this interview because as somebody who studies diet, um, I, I feel that I'm I'm really enjoying the show too to the extreme that I can I can help pick your brain for a little bit. But I would like to first have you explain to people about your philosophy on animal fats. Uh, thank you, Betsy. Um, I. Uh, was introduced to the work of Weston Price many years ago in the early 70s, and I brought my children up on this philosophy. And he described these healthy traditional diets, and for in large part, these diets were very rich in fats, uh, rich in all the foods we're being told today not to eat, butter and eggs and uh, liver, and he recommended taking cod liver oil, which is another animal fat. And uh, as my children were growing up and they were very healthy, you know, it was really worth doing this type of diet for them, I came to that conclusion. I became more and more dismayed at the um, official message that was coming from the government and people, you know, medical groups that we should lower our fats, put our children on low-fat diets, and I, I just knew that this wasn't right uh, instinctively, you know, in my bones. And unfortunately, I met Mary Ennig, and she shared exactly the same concerns I had. Not only was the type of diet that was being recommended bad for adults, it was a disaster for growing children. And that's why we have collaborated for the last uh, 12 years, because uh, we just feel it is essential to get this message out. Now, when you talk about cholesterol, the brain needs cholesterol, the nervous system needs cholesterol to form properly. And when children are put on low cholesterol diets, they don't get what they need. Do you really strongly differentiate in, in talking about the importance of animal fats to also agree the importance of having those be organic, grass-fed animal fats? You know, I think that's important, but it is not as important as just getting over the fear of animal fats. Um, if your only choice is regular supermarket food, I would—I still tell people, buy the butter, buy the beef, buy the lamb. 
uh, buy the fish. I'm a little bit skeptical about the chicken sold in regular <laughs> regular supermarkets, but the uh, red meat is 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 clean, uh, much cleaner than the the chicken. I read I read a um, about a study that was done in the University of Atlanta in Georgia about how they compared beef that the way it was raised in 1920 versus beef the way it was raised in 2002. And nutritionally speaking, in many cases, it was 70% less yes, because yeah. of the practices of the way we raise beef in, in this country. Um, so, Well, that would be of all our food. It's not yeah, the, just right. the beef. It's the eggs. It's the beans. It's, it's everything. So I like to meet people where they are, Betsy. And, and a lot of people come to this having never given a single thought to how to eat, and if you put too much on them all at once, I, I find sometimes you, you go backwards rather than forwards. That, that is a wonderful thing to say, and so, I agree with you more. I, I, I think the most important thing is um, start where you are. If if it's the supermarket, learn to shop the edges. Uh, you can still make healthy choices in the supermarket, or at least healthier choices. And then once you've taken that step, if you want to go further, we have created a network of resources so you can get food directly from the farm and from the type of farmers who are doing this properly. It's becoming easier to do. And, it, and I selfishly, I live in Wisconsin, so it's, it's, you know, I can speak very easily of how simple it is for me to do, but I, I understand that somebody living in New York City may have a little more of a challenge. Well, actually, no. We have uh, local chapters all over the country, and in the cities, these local chapters have arranged deliveries of farm food. Oh, see, and that probably is easier than <laughs> some other area. So um, what I would suggest to people, if they want to go to that next step, which is being very careful about where their food comes from, uh, go to westonaprice.org, that's our website, and click on local chapters, okay. and you are almost certainly going to find someone near you. Okay. All right, so the burning question with me today is, the fir first piece of this is, do you believe that everyone does well on raw dairy? I, no, but I believe that nine out of ten people who do not do well on commercial dairy do well on raw dairy. There is that one out of ten that just cannot do dairy, and it, that may be a higher number among autistic children. I just don't know. But I do know that we have had reports from mothers of autistic children that finding raw, whole uh, milk for their children has been an absolute lifesaver because it's a food that children can tolerate. It's a food that requires no preparation. The children like the food. And so I would always say to um, a mother of a child who's having these types of problems, especially with the severe digestive disorders, give it a try. At least give it a try. Sure. Mm -hmm. Do you believe that there is a better chance that they will digest goat's milk as opposed to cow's milk? Now, that's a very good question. Uh, I always tell people to start with the cow's milk. Cow's milk is richer in B12 and folic acid, and so it is more nutritious. But uh, there were always, um, I find there is a group of people who do do better on goat, goat milk. Sally, something I'm just thinking right now is maybe we should better, if you could better describe 
what you know, I, I, I assume that people sometimes know what I'm talking about. Well, we should talk more about defining raw and what does that okay. mean to be raw. When milk comes out of a cow, <laughs> we call it raw milk. It has not been heat treated. Now, the milk that you buy in the supermarket is pasteurized or ultra-pasteurized. And this is a, a treatment, a process, whereby the milk is heated very quickly uh, pasteurized milk goes to about 170 degrees Fahrenheit, and ultra-pasteurized milk goes above the boiling point. Um, this is not a cooking process, Betsy. This is a process whereby the milk is uh, run past superheated steel plates. So it's a very unnatural process. Now, the proteins in milk are amazing three-dimensional structures with very precise folding, and this pasteurization process is a very violent, damaging process to those proteins. It warps them and distorts them. So when you drink pasteurized or even worse, ultra-pasteurized milk, the body thinks these are foreign proteins and mounts an immune response. Instead of getting all the benefits from these wonderful proteins, many of which are healing to the intestinal tract, the body is in a an alert and defensive mode. And it's interesting to me to see the relentless decline in raw milk and pasteurized milk consumption in this country. It goes down 1% per year and has done so for the last 40 years. Um, we've gone from, I think it's 45 gallons of milk per person per year down to 22. And that's because more and more people simply cannot tolerate the pasteurized milk. Uh, raw milk, on the other hand, is <clears throat> designed to be easy to digest. It di actually digests itself when it reaches the proper pH in the digestive tract. A whole bunch of enzymes are activated, and that milk digests itself without the body having to do anything else. So with a few exceptions, it is a wonderful food, and particularly wonderful food for growing children, and very helpful in most cases for children who have some kind of compromised digestive process. Right. Now, if the milk, um, I guess the, the part that people are asking is if the milk is not pasteurized, um, the chances for contamination obviously right. are, are greater. Is it safe? Uh, right. Well, this is the really interesting thing about raw milk, and this is the science that's emerged in the last 20 years. These proteins in milk... Um, are amazing things, and there's a whole variety of them that uh, kill bad bacteria and strengthen the immune system. They actually program the growing child to be immune to any bad bacteria it encounters and immune for life. And if you add bad bacteria to raw milk, uh, unless you're adding huge amounts of bad bacteria, in which case it will be overwhelmed, but... Uh, you know, the type that would be likely to get into the milk, that, that milk will actually kill the bad bacteria. So raw milk has its own built-in safety mechanism. Now, you might think from listening to the FDA and reading the Center for Disease Control website that raw milk is just this terrible poison and it's going to kill you. When you look Not a lot of people with autism actually believe anything the CDC says. <laughs> okay. Don't have to worry. <laughs> well, uh, when you actually look at the studies they cite, you find all sorts of problems with them. Right. Um, I, yeah. That doesn't surprise <laughs> anybody listening today. <laughs> yeah. There is definitely a, a, a vendetta against raw milk. Uh, the well, dairy industry doesn't like it. It's illegal to sell in the state of Wisconsin. 
But it's still available. It is, and I get it. Mm-hmm. I get um, raw butter through a farm by owning a share. Exactly. Yeah. You can own a share of a cow. You can own a share of the farm. We've come up with some very creative ways for people to get raw milk, and it's really available in almost every state, right. one way or another. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to take a break right now. Okay. When we get back, let's talk more, a little bit about the, the milk piece, but um, let's also talk about fats in general. We'll be right back okay. with Nellie Fallon. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. We had a wonderful experience in our trip to the Sensory Learning Institute. And the main issue, to sum everything up, is that we went there with a child who was out of control and hyper, who had severe sensory issues and autistic tendencies. And we brought home a child who was vastly different. We brought home a child who plays with me and talks to me and looks in my eyes and tells me he loves me. The goal and focus of the sensory learning program is to enable the central nervous system to better process sensory information by simultaneously stimulating visual, auditory, and vestibular systems with light, sound, and motion. By challenging these three sensory systems to work together and adapt to multi-sensory input, this intervention often improves speech, perception, understanding, social interaction, coordinated movement, and the ability to learn. We invite all parents interested in sensory learning program for a child to complete the confidential assessment on our website at www.sensorylearning.com. Omega Institute is the country's leading center for holistic studies. Now you can experience selected workshops from Omega in the comfort of your own home. Join us for a live web broadcast with John Friend, the founder of Anasara Yoga. In this dynamic workshop, we learn a Hatha Yoga system that is a celebration of the heart and looks for the good in all people and all things. To find out more about our live web broadcast, log on to our website, www.eomega.org. That's www.eomega.org. Or call us at 800-944-1001. That's 800-944-1001. To perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health and Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. Hi, this is Mark Victor Hansen. You know me for Chicken Soup for the Soul, the One Minute Millionaire, and Cracking the Millionaire Code. And what I want you to know is that if you want to have rip-roaringly good health, listen to Health Crusades by my friend John Farley. Tune in to Health Crusades with John Farley every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, only on Voice America Health and Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Betsy. We are back here with Sally Fallon and we are talking right now about milk and uh, Sally, I know the question that many parents are asking, and I would like to know as well, too, and that is, does raw milk still produce the peptides? Are these peptides considered harmful to the autistic child? I guess 
that I would be this follow-up question. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know, and I think um, if when you're trying something new like this, we just don't know so much that happens in the gut, uh, and it's a little bit beyond my uh, training here. But I would just say try it first. Sure, know? sure. I have. Uh, let me. I'd like to tell you my own personal experience mm-hmm. because I I don't do very well. Um, I, I do do raw butter mm-hmm. uh, and as much as bad as I can get because the casein is so low on it. Um, uh, right, right. But um, as far as raw milk, I've tried and tried it and not done particularly well. But he, here's my question: the the, the probably the, the I do do better on raw goat's milk. When I have the raw goat's milk, I find my brain immediately. Um, feels like someone just puffed a bunch of air into it. Now, my question now, is... Now, is that a good thing or a bad thing? In <laughs> <laughs> not, not a good way. I feel very foggy. Oh, However, I see. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. However, could it be, you know, it, it, it would be very quick and assumptuous of me to presume that it's it's the peptide piece. It's like, okay, I've already I've been made foggy and because that's, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the research that I've done and, and a lot of truly what I do believe in that part. However... I can't help but wonder what part yeast plays into that because knowing how um, these wonderful enzymes can mm-hmm. help kill yeast and do so much to the bacteria and kill mm-hmm. off bacteria in my in my body, maybe that effect that I'm feeling is more of a yeast die-off. It could very well be, and, uh, you know, you might want to try again, uh, you know, for several days, just a little milk every day. I do know that we've had reports from mothers of autistic children that the children have done so well on raw milk. Now, not every single one, of course. Right, right. But some have done. By the way, what I really recommend, and I think this would work for almost every child, is the very rich bone broth. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. Yes. Kayla brought that up on my show. Mm-hmm. Dr. Kayla Daniels brought that up. And um, I want to, I really want to stress and talk about that more because I've been doing it um, weekly since Kayla brought it up. So, yeah, please, yeah. you can talk more about that. Well, the bone brosser, this is what our ancestors always did with bones all over the world. Uh, they would cook the bones until they got soft and the, um, the all the calcium and the cartilage and the... Uh, the gelatin and so forth comes out in the broth, and you have this very uh, nutrient-dense broth, and that's used for soups and stews or simply drunk like a tea. Um, you can add coconut milk to that or you can add cream to it or whatever and make something that is milk-like. In other words, it has plenty of calcium and so forth. And the the gelatin and the other components are extremely healing to the digestive tract. And I would emphasize that even more than milk, uh, raw milk, actually, as no. a healing food. As a healing food. Mm-hmm. When you make the broth, because I've done this before, um, so you have a big stock pot, how many tablespoons of vinegar, and is there a specific kind of vinegar that you use? You can use any vinegar, um, and the amount doesn't, you know, it's, I don't have to be too, I, I say a quarter to a half a cup, depending on how big your, your stock pot is. A crock pot is also great for making stock. Do you have to cut up the chicken or the so that, in other words, cut up the pieces of the chicken so that more of the cartilage is exposed? And uh, you, you don't have to. Um, uh, I used to when I had children at home, and at one point I was feeding eight people every wow. day. And I'd come home from doing my shopping with two chickens, and they just went immediately into the pot. Okay. I didn't cut them up or anything. 
Uh, and then we had uh, lots of good chicken left over for chicken salad and, and burritos and things like that. And then the wonderful stock for soup and gravies. And I just did that every week, um, so I always would have what I needed. Um, another thing you can do, and this works almost better, is after you have cooked the chicken, take the, all the meat off the bones and throw those bones into a pot. And, and you almost get more gel, uh, gel from that than from the fresh chicken. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you can do that after you've cooked it. Yes, and, and be sure to save the wings and the neck and all those cartilaginous pieces. Let's talk a little bit about fermented foods. Okay. And um, I've spoken with Donna Gates before, and I, I've read um, the Body Ecology Diet. I'm curious to know where, um, how, I know in your book you talk about how fermented foods should be a part of every single diet. Yeah. And if it's not part of the food in general that you're eating, that you should have some sort of maybe some fermented uh, sauerkraut or some sort of um fermented sidekick to it all to right. bring some right. sort of it. Actually, that's how fermented foods were eaten. They were eaten as condiments. Okay. Uh, why, why do we need fermented foods? All cultures, I mean literally all cultures, ate fermented food. They ate fermented fish or fermented vegetables or fermented grains or they had fermented beverages. And this is a process that creates lactic acid, which is very healing to the intestinal tract, greatly increases the enzymes and interest to this, uh, our conversation here is the good bacteria that are created during fermentation. You know, everyone today is taking probiotic pills to put good bacteria in our guts because science has finally realized that without good bacteria in your gut, you're, you're basically dead. Right. <laughs> and, uh, but our ancestors didn't take probiotic pills. How did they get the good bacteria? They got it from fermented foods. Uh, and, and also from uh, milk, uh, raw milk. Uh, now, unfortunately, as far as children are concerned, a lot of the fermented foods are an acquired taste. It's hard to get children to eat things like sauerkraut, yeah. although some children love it. Some children really take to it. So uh, we do have fermented carrots in the book. We have some fermented fruits, which are really nice. Uh, I have, a, for example, a pineapple chutney. Uh, so these types of things uh, could be used and served with cooked food. What, what classifies as the fermentation? Is it something that is, has to be done with or with a specific type? As I know with body ecology diet, I've purchased the cultured vegetable mm-hmm. starter and things such as that. But I mean, is, does vinegar do? No, it's not a vinegar fermentation, and vinegar will not do it, although people have preserved things in vinegar. Um, What we use in in nourishing traditions are two ingredients. One is a good unrefined salt, and the other is whey, which is made from yogurt or separated milk. It's a sort of yellowish liquid that is like a, a starter. It's like the culture that Donna Gates sells. Right. Now, um, this may, however, be a problem for people. So, you know, if they're very sensitive to uh, certain types of proteins. But in any event, just to give you an example um, for, say, a pineapple chutney, you cut up the pineapple, you add whatever seasonings or herbs that you want to add, and then you mix that with salt and whey and put it in a jar and you leave that at room temperature for several days. And it doesn't spoil. It actually um, becomes preserved in the lactic acid that's produced. And then you put it in the fridge, and it lasts for months. This so can way. you use something besides whey? 
Well, um, in s- some of the recipes, you can get by only with salt. Okay. But in the fruit ones, you need something else, like whey. Okay. Um, you, in, in the fermentation process, mm-hmm. okay, we've talked about the dairy piece and we've talked about the, as the condiment, but part of being able to digest our beans and grains and nuts has to do with some sort of a preliminary fermentation. Right. And once again, when you go back and look at traditional cultures, they all took very great care with the preparation of seeds, grains, nuts, and legumes, because all seeds contain toxins, and they're all difficult to digest. Um, I don't think it's any surprise to you that wheat, for example, is is just um, can be a nightmare for people. Uh, now, I'm not saying that uh, these types of preparation techniques can help someone who's severely celiac, but usually they do. Uh, let me just give you a, a, an easy example is oatmeal, uh, okay. rolled oats. Um, when I eat rolled oats that are not soaked overnight, I get a toxic shock reaction to them because there's a lot of inhibitors and um, anti-nutrients in the oats. But if I soak them overnight in warm water with a squeeze of lemon juice or a little splash of vinegar, something acidic, uh, that activates all sorts of enzymes and good bacteria, and the oats pre-digest overnight. And then I cook them the next day and eat them with plenty of butter, of course, or cream. And that is a, a very nourishing meal. It's very easy to digest. It's easy to prepare, and it's not expensive. So these are the types of um, basic foods that we're urging people to get back to. That's exactly what I was hoping to talk about, and it really kind of segues us into the whole part of grains in general, such as spelt and kamut, right. and all of those um, heirloom-type grains that have really been lost. We just published an article in our magazine. This is the magazine published by the Weston A. Price Foundation on the horrendous processing that is uh, applied to grains in this country. People have no idea uh, the way they're milled, the additives used, the way they're heated, um, the techniques now for making bread um, increase the toxicity of the gluten and increase the toxicity of the, all the anti-nutrients in grains. So it's no wonder that we're having an epidemic of celiac disease. And there's just no other way but to go back to natural preparation techniques, um, natural sourdough, uh, leavening for breads. And we're not saying you have to make bread yourself. What we're encouraging is artisan bakeries and telling people where they are so they can buy this type of bread. And they're popping up more and more. They are. They are. The bread takes getting used to. It's um, very, very dense. <laughs> but there are things you can do to make it palatable even to children. Right. And and once again, for those listening, you know, dealing with I, – I'm, I'm assuming that your philosophy for things with gluten in it, such as spelt and kamut and wheat, are similar to that of the dairy in that to try it. But there is a possibility that because of the peptide situation, it may not be something that... Well, actually, Betsy, I would say for a child with autism or these uh, severe digestive problems, the milk I think you can try right away. But I would wait till that child is completely healed before trying things like wheat. That's great. That's I think it's just too problematic. Um, you know, the milk, the raw milk is a perfect food just as it is, and it's right. designed to be that way. But uh, wheat was 
um, you know, really takes careful preparation and a lot of healing before you can deal with it. Great. Well, we're going to take a break. When we get back, I'd like to ask you about other grains, grains that don't contain gluten and how you feel about some of those. And we'll also talk a little bit more about um, the oils and, and fats. Okay. <laughs> I said we were going to talk about this segment, we never got to, but we'll, we'll, be, right, <laughs> we'll be right back to Jess okay. Nelly Fallon. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. We had a wonderful experience in our trip to the Sensory Learning Institute, and the main issue to sum everything up is that we went there with a child who was out of control and hyper, who had severe sensory issues and autistic tendencies, and we brought home a child who was vastly different. We brought home a child who plays with me and talks to me and looks in my eyes and tells me he loves me. The goal and focus of the sensory learning program is to enable the central nervous system to better process sensory information by simultaneously stimulating visual, auditory, and vestibular systems with light, sound, and motion. By challenging these three sensory systems to work together and adapt to multi-sensory input, this intervention often improves speech, perception, understanding, social interaction, coordinated movement, and the ability to learn. We invite all parents interested in sensory learning program for a child to complete the confidential assessment on our website at www.sensorylearning.com. The pressures to be thin or ideal go beyond the Hollywood headlines. In fact, those suffering from eating disorders in the U.S. number in the millions, and eating disorders such as anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa, and binge eating are more common than Alzheimer's disease. Eating disorders affect men, women, adolescents, as well as young children. On Understanding Eating Disorders, Dr. Tom Scales, an internist and psychiatrist, uncovers the causes and characteristics of various eating disorders and shares his expertise on current treatment approaches. Expert guests and personal stories from some who have recovered reveal the depth of emotional conflicts of these dangerously obsessive conditions and the resolutions that work. Tune in to Understanding Eating Disorders with Dr. Tom Scales every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Understanding Eating Disorders, the cycle of eating disorders, can be broken. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program, here's Betsy. Hello, we're back here with Sally Fallon, who's the president of the Weston A. Price Foundation. For those of you who... Um, would like to get more information on what Sally's been talking about today, you can go to the Foundation's website, which is WestonAPrice.org. And, and Weston is spelled W-E-S-T-O-N. Thank you. <laughs> WestonAPrice.org, yeah. Appreciate you making that known. And, that's, and Sally, you've got another book that's out as well. Right. The book is called Eat Fat, Lose Fat, which actually contains three diet plans. One's a weight loss plan. One's an, what we call Everyday Gourmet, but there's a health recovery plan which puts a huge amount of emphasis on digestive, uh, healing the digestive tract. And we've had very good feedback on that. Um, lots and lots of broth, fermented foods, uh, raw milk, foods that are easy to digest. And there is a website for the book, eatfatlosefat.com. Great, great. 
please visit that. Okay, we're talking about grains, and we were just talking a little bit about um, wheat and spelt and kamut, mm-hmm. which all have gluten in them. But if we're looking at grains without gluten in them, and let's primarily talk about rice because that's the big one. There's so many different types of rice. Um, right. And what would be what if your your big well I used uh, with my family and I had four children they had huge appetites we did brown rice and I had a way of cooking it where you saute it in butter and then you add broth and let it steam for a long long time and it's very digestible when you do that and it was just kind of a staple in our household we did different types of rice you can add raisins and carrots you can. Add spices, you can make salads with the rice. So it was a very economical food for my growing family. You know, I'd like to ask you a question, which really isn't on this subject, but um, it made me think about, you know, having the rice and and, and storing it and reheating it. Um, I would love for you to explain to people your your thoughts on having a microwave oven. Well, I don't have a microwave oven. I don't recommend the microwave oven. I, uh, we know that it destroys nutrients. Right. Uh, it actually messes up the water in the food. Uh, in muscle testing, people who eat microwave food are more tired afterwards. Their muscles are tired. Because they're not getting the, the, the I mean, metabolically, they're not getting the nutrition. Uh, I guess. I don't know. You know, the body is expecting certain energies from the food, certain vibrations. And the microwave really messes that up. I mean, it's just a newfangled way of of heating foods, and I just think we should err on the side of caution. I like to do everything the way it was done 100 years ago as <laughs> exactly. possible. Right, right. <laughs> when it comes to my kitchen. Uh, by the way, one, one food that I would really caution uh, mothers of autistic children is the breakfast cereals. Oh, thank you, yes. Because yes, they're, yes. they're um, created by a process called extrusion where the uh, grains are forced through a very tiny hole at very high temperature and high pressure. Grains contain these um, special types of proteins, and that process, just like pasteurization of milk proteins, warps and distorts the proteins. And the little that we know about them indicates that these proteins become neurotoxic. Uh, they become neurotoxic when uh, they're consumed, especially in large amounts. And uh, the animals that consumed these types of extruded breakfast cereals um, became, um, you know, had convulsions. They became violent, uh, agitated, very agitated. And they bit each other in the cages and everything. So I, that would be one of the first things I'd take out of the children's diet would be these breakfast cereals. That's, that's very good advice and important advice. And, you know, doing, as you say in your book, to increase the hot, Cereals, just the, um, the the oatmeal. Now, in I, if we, before we talk about the fats, I want to clarify with the oats. With a lot of because it's a big question as to whether or not oats have gluten in them. However, well, go ahead. I'll let you. I think they don't. I I, my, I think it's uh, barley, rye, and wheat that contain gluten. Well. They say that they're small amounts. However, oh, okay, if, you, okay. if you prepare them a certain way, like you talked about with yeah. the rolling your own and, and your preparation for them, I would probably venture to say that they are extremely minimal to, to very yeah. low. And once again, you can only try it. Right. Yeah. The, the and oats, oats have some very healing components, too. Right. Yes. Uh-huh. Right. Okay. Um, let's talk about oils because that's a big question for so many different mm-hmm. people and fats. In general, yeah, yeah. and what to cook in, what to spread on their on their 
throwing yeah. the vegetables, yeah. uh, everything. So well, um, the fat that I use the most of is butter. I get uh, grass-fed uh, raw butter, which is the butter I put in toast and vegetables. If I'm cooking, I'll use maybe some pasteurized butter because but, I'm heating it anyway. Um, it is a wonderful, wonderful food, and the better the quality of the butter, the better it is for your child. Uh, I cook in animal fats. Uh, anytime you're cooking and heating a fat, you um, you know you're subjecting it to potential damage. And the more saturated, the harder the fat is, the less likely it will be damaged. So I cook in lard and beef tallow and goose fat and duck fat and butter. Can and I ask ghee. a question about the butter? If mm-hmm. if if um, casein is a problem, do you advocate using ghee? Yes, you can use ghee. It's a great great um, fat to cook in. Really, the only oils that I use, Betsy, are olive oil for salads. I add a little tiny bit of flax oil to my salad dressing. And then, of course, our real staple uh, superfood, which is cod liver oil. And I can't stress how important cod liver oil is to um, to children, to growing children. The vitamin A and D we're very deficient in, and this is essential for um, healing the gut and uh, the for the emotions, for making the right kind of hormones in the brain, and for the whole nervous system. Yeah, uh, cod liver oil and, and the type of cod liver oil. Please, please specify. <laughs> yes, and there's works. not many that we brands that we recommend. Not we, to buy Sam's Club cod yes, liver oil. Yes, no. Um, on our website, we have a whole section on cod liver oil, and I would suggest that people read that. And we have the brand names that we suggest. We recommend a high vitamin cod liver oil so that you get the adequate vitamins A and D uh, without overdosing on the unsaturated oils. Okay. Uh, on the subject of D, are you in? Do you advocate sun? Absolutely. Good. Yeah, absolutely. And children are should so be in... afraid of sun nowadays. I know, and you they know it's. Very um, um, people think they're going to get cancer from the sun. Actually, people who get sunlight have less cancer. Well, and and it's the suntan lotions that are more promoting yes. cancer yeah. than uh, the sun itself. Children need to be out in the sun, playing in the sun, getting dirty, you know, being children. Right. Please, for those of you who are using gobs and gobs of suntan yeah. lotion, if it's if you're not using a a good um, a good brand, most of them. Everything from the copper tones to all those oh, yeah. have such junk in them that yes. they're going to cause much more toxic. Right. Um, right. I, you know, I, I always laugh at this, this kind of logic game. And I was reading this tip in this magazine once about going to, um, uh, if she, you know, she was going to a place, a country where it had a lot of bugs. So she was making the recommendation of spraying all of her toiletries with bug spray so that they wouldn't get bugs on them, as if the the natural bug (laughs) was more toxic than the the toiletries, (laughs) than the chemicals. Well, those sprays can cause um, brain damage. Oh, it's just terrible. And and the logic, I mean, people are more afraid of of, of a bug crawling them on them than putting a toxic chemical. But that's a a subject for another. Different story. (laughs) Different subject, yes. in in our in our clinic, because my husband is a pediatrician, mm-hmm. we we see a lot of babies, a lot of babies, and and we see a lot of babies that are siblings of children with autism. Um, mm-hmm. You know, par- they they'll come to us and they're little, and the parents are just starting to 
notices the immune system because they're more aware of it. If, if you yes. have a child with autism, you're going to be more aware of, mm-hmm. of what's happening to your baby. Um, and one of the biggest ones, the questions, is what do I feed my baby? And that's when I first got in touch with your book um, mm-hmm. because you have recipes for formulas. Yes, yes. And they're based on raw milk. And if the raw milk formulas don't work, then we have one based on liver, liver and broth. And, Betsy, I can't say how gratifying it is to get feedback about these formulas. I feel like this is the most important thing I'm doing in my career, is providing this nourishing food for um, these babies, and particularly babies who are having difficulty. There was an article last week, last Sunday, in the Washington Post magazine about raw milk, and it interviewed a family whose child was not growing. She had not gained more than a couple pounds in six months, and the formula was not working for the baby, and they put her on my raw milk formula, and she just took off. And she changed from a baby who looked like she was dying to a very rosy-cheeked baby in about two weeks uh, with the raw milk formula. You know, Kayla has, uh, Dr. Kayla Daniel has talked to me um, many times about what's being done in other countries to ban soy formulas. And um, formulas in general, what they are being made of, anything from um, the type of milk that they're using mm-hmm. and all of the horrible, I mean, the majority of them is high fruit, or is, is corn syrup. I know. Well, they're all, all of these formulas are bad. This is processed food, imitation food for babies, you know. Your most precious thing in your family and at the most important time of life to have good nutrition, and we're giving these babies processed foods. And when it's soy formula, it's, um, you know, double whammy or triple whammy, not only is it a terrible, awful processed food with all of those terrible ingredients, but the soy itself contains estrogen compounds, and it's loaded with manganese, and these can cause real problems with neurological development. That's a very scary thing. Uh, I think Donna Gates was the one who told me in, in her work with autistic children that almost everyone she sees was given soy formula. It's very, very common. Well, because their digestive systems are bad, so the first thing the doctor says... The first thing they do is think, well, we'll take them off of milk-based formula. Exactly. Um, We'll be right back with um, Sally Tallon. We'll be talking, wrapping this up and talking about uh, excitotoxins and more about um, beef and meat fat. We'll be right back with Sally Tallon. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health and Wellness. We had a wonderful experience in our trip to the Sensory Learning Institute. And the main issue, to sum everything up, is that we went there with a child who was out of control and hyper, who had severe sensory issues and autistic tendencies. And we brought home a child who was vastly different. We brought home a child who plays with me and talks to me and looks in my eyes and tells me he loves me. The goal and focus of the Sensory Learning Program is to enable the central nervous system to better process sensory information by simultaneously stimulating visual, auditory, and vestibular systems with light.
light, sound, and motion by challenging these three sensory systems to work together and adapt to multi-sensory input. This intervention often improves speech, perception, understanding, social interaction, coordinated movement, and the ability to learn. We invite all parents interested in sensory learning program for a child to complete the confidential assessment on our website at www.sensorylearning.com. Omega Institute is the country's leading center for holistic studies. Now you can experience selected workshops from Omega in the comfort of your own home. Join us for a live web broadcast with John Friend, the founder of Anasara Yoga. In this dynamic workshop, we learned a Hatha Yoga system that is a celebration of the heart and looks for the good in all people and all things. To find out more about our live web broadcast, log on to our website, www.eomega.org. That's www.eomega.org. Or call us at 800-944-1001. That's 800-944-1001. To perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On mind, brain, and body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health and Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Betsy. We're back here with the wonderful Sally Fallon of the Weston A. Price Foundation. And we are speaking now about, let's talk about some meats and eggs. Let's start with the egg piece. Well, as we were saying in the break, uh, Betsy, eggs are egg yolks. Egg yolks are such a rich source of choline. And I would definitely try those with these children. Now you say some children can't even do the yolks. The the whites I would not recommend at all. But one thing um, you could try is a smoothie with some really good uh, um, raw milk and cream and egg yolks and a little maple syrup or something like that. Uh, to get the choline uh, in the child. Uh, liver is also a wonderful source of choline, and there are ways you can do liver that are delicious. Well, please tell me, because <laughs> I haven't found them out yet. Well, you, you, you cook the livers with some uh, herbs and things, a little broth, and then you put them in your food processors or with some butter and a little salt. Uh, you would spread that on some maybe some rice crackers or in some um, um, celery or endive or something like that. Liver would be a really important one to get organic, though, wouldn't it? Because I mean, yes, all the yes, it would, um, especially the chicken livers. Also, if you're making uh, meatballs or meatloaf or even, well, I want to say spaghetti sauce, I'm not sure what you'd put the spaghetti sauce on. Um, you can add a little liver. I would, I always encourage people to add organ meats as much as they can. And once you've added it and add, added your seasonings, they don't know that it's there. You're a fan of duck. And, well, duck's a wonderful food. And I mean, foie gras is like the greatest thing in the world to me. Is that yeah. goose or it's that's goose though? Foie gras is duck or goose liver. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And right. Is, is that is that a healthy food? Well, I certainly think it's a healthy food. <laughs> uh, the one problem I would foresee with the foie gras is that they get it by feeding a lot of grains to the animals at the end of their life. 
and the liver um, gets very large, gets what's called fatty liver. Now, I think those fats are good for you, but some people would, might feel that that's a problem. But we're getting beautiful livers from our farmers, and um, they, they are wonderful, healthy food. You know, you can you can chop them up fine, and when you look in Italian cookbooks, they added liver to the, the meat mixtures. Right. Let's just say you're making stuffed peppers or stuffed cabbage or something like that. You can always add a little chopped liver. If we're dealing, of course, with organic chicken, um, but uh, you the the skin of the chicken, so many people peel that off and yeah. don't understand how wonderfully healthy that is. It is, right. Well, now, I wouldn't eat skin from a supermarket chicken, I have no, to say. And in fact, organic. you know they're adding dyes to the chickens to make that skin look yellow. It's the arsenic that has me freaked out. With yeah. <laughs> we have, I mean, truly, in, in our practice, we see so many children that are big chicken eaters to have large amounts of arsenic because they're giving the arsenic to the chickens to increase their appetite. How interesting. And also so they use fewer antibiotics. Exactly. So, it's, so the yeah. arsenic levels are very high. So that, that I agree with you. If you have to choose one meat that you're going to do organic to, to do chicken. Chicken, yeah, yeah. Well, and even not organic but pasture-fed. Right. I'm not sure what's going on in, in those organic chickens. Not a lot of good stuff from yeah. what I've been hearing. I but I'm very interested in what you say about the arsenic. I I am suspicious that there's a connection between arsenic and mumps, just as uh, gut feeling I have. Interesting. Yeah. Very good thing. Yeah. Now, how do you get your, your fats, other than the butter, the meat fats mm-hmm. that you use to cook in? Well, uh, we get them from a farm. Okay. I get my lard from a farmer and my tallow from a farmer. Uh, I have to say that's what I do. And once okay. again, our local chapters can help you on this. By the way, lard is a wonderful source of vitamin D, right. which is very important for all those neurotransmitters. This is interesting to me. Okay, I, I've got to find a way to get some lard. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna. I have my own cows, so can you get lard from? I mean, what animals? Do you well, use? lard comes from pigs. Now, the cows would give you tallow. Hello. So, so don't throw the fat away from your wonderful beef. You would render that. You cut it up into pieces and put it in a pan in the oven, and the fat comes out. And you just strain that into a jar, and, okay. that's, and you can cook in that. Very interesting. I'm the, the, uh, and that's a very hard fat. It's very saturated. And that's the type of fat we used to use in this country for frying. Okay. It gives you the best results and the, most, the safest results. Okay. Great. Um, excitotoxins. Okay, this is just like a whole other <laughs> bag of worms. I know, this is a whole other And, show and they are in everything, yeah. all processed foods. And, you know, we, the worst one we think of is MSG, right. but it's not properly labeled. Um, MSG is formed during processing. It's formed when they make soy foods. It's formed when foods are microwaved. It's in hydrolyzed foods. It's in autolated foods. So uh, it'll also be in what's what they call spice mixes or natural flavorings in foods. Uh, I mean, if it's a processed food, you can just bet that it contains MSG. Excitotoxins are something that if you're eating as natural as possible and you're starting with whole foods, you don't have to worry about it, but so many people are looking for that whole processed piece, and mm-hmm. that's where you're going to do trouble. Oh, and that, that I wanted to mention, one of our chapters in Oakland, California, has set up a community kitchen where they're doing all of the types of foods that uh, we recommend, uh, 
hamburger patties with uh, organ meats added, um, wonderful broth-based soups, uh, yogurt sauces, uh, um, um, the right types of bread, sourdough breads, uh, soaked cold breakfast cereals that the children love, and some coconut candies and things. And it's called Three Stone Hearth. ThreeStoneHearth.com is their website. And this, I think, is the model for the future. And, and parents put their order in once a week and get the food delivered to them. And it's all prepared. It's all healthy. And I think this is the answer for parents who don't have time to cook. Is to have community kitchens. Yes, who are doing foods the right way. Really? So, so is it is it something that's run by the government at all? No, no, it... it's uh, a private business. Okay. Set up by um, some of our um, Weston A. Price people, and they buy exclusively from grass-based farmers. Wow. And uh, so that you can be assured that the chicken and the beef and everything they're using is is really clean. So you might have a look at some of the recipes and things on their website that they're doing. That is... Yeah, I, I was just thrilled when I went to see that. Community kitchens make so much sense. They really do. They really do. And, you know, when you think of it, let's just go back two or 300 years. Not People even didn't even have kitchens in their houses. They went to the butcher and bought sausage uh, and broth. They went to the uh, cheese shop and bought cheese. They went to the bakery and bought bread. And the, these foods were prepared locally in the villages. And we, if we could do more of that, wow, what, yeah. that would make a difference to so many people. Because yeah. the frustration for so many is, is that fact that they can't cook. But my, what I am constantly preaching is that um, it doesn't have to be about lots and lots of ingredients doing all different types of things. I mean, exactly. Making stock is one of the most simple, basic things that you could possibly do. It absolutely is. And, uh, you know, making making rice, if, if you need to get a rice cooker to make that part easier, that that's whatever it takes. Soaking things, soaking your grains, all of those are things that you can do without having to necessarily be a good cook. Right. I always say in my book, Nourishing Traditions, start with the front of each chapter. That's where the simple things are. And if you simply know how to make a salad and rice and broth and a few soups and then just do easy meats, um, baked potatoes, wonderful food, real excuse for butter. (laughs) Very digestible. I can't recommend potatoes enough to people with digestive problems. You know, what about the fact that they feed parasites? I mean, that's the concern of mine is that they, I, I, we have a lot of, a lot of these kids who just live on potatoes because the, they're constantly craving the potatoes because they're feeding the parasites. Oh, that I didn't know, but uh, I do know that, um, you know, that's a great place to put butter and get it the fats in the children. <laughs> what kind of potatoes? Is it potato chips? Is it, you know, uh, well, just french fries? It's, it's yeah, an I can... vegetable thing that yeah. deals with the parasites. Oh, oh I see. Something uh-huh. I have to, uh-huh. I have to deal with a lot because we have so many kids with uh, over, but it's the parasites that wouldn't have the parasites if they were getting the enzymes to be able to break down and kill. And them. B12 is also very important for treating parasites. Um, so that's, in, I think, B12 supplements are probably a very good idea too they for these children. They definitely are. Yeah. This has been a wonderful show. I want to thank you very much, Sally, for joining us today. Um, for everybody listening, once again, to to learn more about this. Go to the two websites. You can go to the Weston with an O mm-hmm. A Price Foundation. It's Weston A. Oh, Weston A. Price dot org. org. Um, Weston A. Price dot org, and then your your website for your other book. 
is Eat Fat, Lose Fat. And the website for, that's eatfatlosefat.com. And then the website for my books is newtrendspublishing.com. And I guess I should add, I've just published a book called Performance Without Pain, which was written by a woman who had severe celiac disease and almost had to stop her um, musical career. She's a clarinetist. And she went on our type of health recovery diet with lots of broth, and getting off the grains and uh, all our fermented foods and cod liver oil and so forth, and she is she's healed, you know. She's really she's back uh, with her full career. That's wonderful yeah. advice. Thank you for doing all that you do. And oh well, it's both. I'm having fun. I just uh, <laughs> my goal is to see every child healthy, Betsy. That's just where I'm at too. Okay. Thank you, everybody. We'll be back next week. The Sensory Learning Center would like to thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Betsy or get more information, visit autismone.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks.